Well, it's great to see you all here this morning, particularly uh, if you're visiting us and uh, are here uh, with uh, those who are being baptised and come to support them. It's great that uh, you've been able to join us this morning. I thought it would be really good, uh, I, I guess for many of you it might be perhaps the first baptism service you'd ever been to. And for some of you, you may have been to lots. Others, it may be uh, a new thing for you. So what I want to do in just a a few uh, moments, take a few minutes to do, is to explain what baptism is and why we do it. Would that be helpful to you? You can nod and say, yes, that would be encouraging to me. I would like that. Uh, Does that be helpful to you? Some of you think so. That's good. Now, before we do that, I want you to play a game, okay? Are you up for playing a game to start with? Some of you are thinking... I came to church, I didn't come to play games. But just bear with me, okay? If I, I'm going to say a word, and I want you to guess the other half of the partnership, okay? You, you, you ready for that? Okay? So if I said little, what would you say? Large, okay? Bill and... Or Bill and... Yeah, yeah, okay, Bill and Hillary, you could do... I had down Bill and Ted but maybe that just shows the sort of films I watch. Anyway, moving very quickly on. Gin and... Oh, you got that one, didn't you? That was quick. Fish and... Chips. Ants and... Who would admit say watch it? Come on. Adam, you said that too quickly, too loud, not good. Uh, a slightly older one, maybe. Sooty and... I oh, got that one. Uh, last one. Zippy and... Oh, George or Bungle, some disagreement there. Maybe, maybe you have both of them. Our final one, Canon and... Oh, okay, that's, that's enough of those. In the, um, you get the idea, there's some things that always go together, aren't they? No matter what you say, you always associate another word or another person with them. And in the New Testament, in the, in the Bible, being a Christian and being baptised go together just like that. Those two things always go hand in hand rather like the illustrations that were in the game we've just played. Those things, those people go together. Well, belief and baptism always go together in the Bible. And there are a few questions I thought would be good to, uh, to ask, and we'll answer them together real, real quick. Number one, what is baptism? You might say, what is baptism? Good, good question, Julie. You see, you have to stay awake if you're sitting on the front row, because I might ask you a question. Well, baptism is an outward sign of an inner faith. When we become a Christian, when we trust in Jesus, that's something that happens on the inside. Now, hopefully, if somebody became a Christian, you'd see a change in their nature, perhaps, and uh, you might notice that something had gone on. But baptism is an outward expression, an outward demonstration, if you like, of what has happened on the inside already. Now, it comes, the word baptism comes from the Greek word bapto, which means to baptise, funnily enough, or it means to dip in, or to die, or to immerse. It was used in everyday language to describe ships that had sunk. And we don't use the word baptism in everyday language very much, do we? But in, in that culture, it was quite a common word. You might say that a ship had been baptised off the coast, and it had been sunk and fully immersed. If you were into dyeing cloth and changing the colour of, of your clothes which I do with scary regularity, though not intentionally, (laughs) Um, you might say that some cloth had been baptised in a bucket of dye. And there was something, it was, you know, the the, the item was fully immersed. That's one of the reasons why we believe that baptism is by 
full immersion, not just a sprinkling of water, but it, it's something that involves a whole load of water. If you're going to ship a, if you're going to ship a, if you're going to sink a ship, my words out correctly, then you need a whole lot of water to do that, wouldn't you? It wouldn't just be a little bit of rain that would cause that. It would be quite a lot. So baptism then is an outward sign. It's something that's happened on the inside. Who is it for? You might say. Who's it for? Good question. <laughs> well, the New Testament pattern, as we've said, is of believing and being baptized. Now I'm going to read a few uh, verses of scripture. You don't have to turn to them because uh, I'm going to try and rattle through a few things quite quickly. But in Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts is the story, if you like, of the early church, how the early church was formed. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we read this. The, the context is that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, had preached his first ever sermon. And there's a great crowd that he'd preached to. And after he'd preached... The people, it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptised. Again, those things are going together. So the issue then is not about baptising infants or adults, but rather this is believers' baptism. We're baptising people who have become Christians, who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. Baptism in the New Testament and now follows repentance. It's a sign. It's not baptism that saves you, the four people that are being baptised this morning. It's not that being baptised makes them a Christian, but rather it's a sign of something that has happened already to them. Baptism follows becoming a Christian. It doesn't make them a Christian. The only thing it will make them is wet. Very wet, actually. <laughs> but seriously, it demonstrates their commitment to Jesus Christ. And it's okay, we do have sockets for hair straighteners, Adam, and others who asked about that. You, you're okay, all right? Yeah, there, there will be. Don't worry. So becoming a Christian... Becoming a Christian, responding to God's call on your life is something that happens on the inside. Baptism then happens on the outside. But why is it important, you might say, Adam? Why is it, why is it important? Why is it important? So you want to concentrate? Why is it important? Well, there's a few reasons that being baptised is really important. And the first one is it shows that we're obedient to Jesus. Those of us who are Christians want to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded his followers to be baptised. In, uh, in Matthew 28, it says this, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So baptism is a biblical command from Jesus himself. And obviously in Matthew 28, those few verses, Jesus was teaching his disciples what it was that they should then go and teach. But obviously we're now Jesus' disciples. And so that's important for us to do and to teach as well. We always take someone's last words quite seriously, don't we? Often when you hear of someone passing away, you, you, often the question is asked, what, what were their last words? Do they have any last words? 
Well, these are amongst Jesus' last words. And so we need to take them seriously. And if we're going to take God's word seriously, we need to act upon what it says. The New Testament was really clear about baptism. And baptism is a, a normal part of being a Christian, a normal part of following Jesus. It's just another step in your life as a Christian. Probably quite an early step in your life as a Christian very often. Other steps would be things like baptism in the Holy Spirit, joining a local church and so on. And let's be really clear, it's not that you've reached a certain level of spiritual maturity and only then can you get baptised. I'm not saying that to a... Uh, in some way to uh, disregard the great spiritual maturity that our friends have reached this morning. (laughs) If you know them well, you'll know that. But it's not that you get to a certain stage as a Christian, only then can you be baptised. In the Bible, it was believe and be baptised pretty quick. And so often it was really brand new baby Christians that were baptised. So there's no way that they had got to a certain level in their Christian life, if such a thing even exists. The New Testament has no idea of a non-baptised believer. It it just seems that always you have believed and be baptised. The two just went together automatically. So, similarly, the New Testament doesn't have any picture, really, of someone who's a Christian but not part of a local church. It it doesn't have any context for that because when you became a Christian, you were baptised, you were joined to, added into a local church. That was the New Testament norm. And it should be our norm as well. So baptism is important because you're following Jesus' command. It's good to be obedient to God because he blesses that. And as Christians, surely we want to be those who bring pleasure to God. And as we uh, are baptised, that happens. God blesses us. So friends, as you're baptised this morning, I believe God is going to bless you. I believe it because the Bible talks about it. God will bless you for your obedience to him. Now it doesn't mean that everything will be really easy. Those of us who are Christians here this morning, doesn't, you, you know, don't you, that becoming a Christian doesn't mean that suddenly your life is, is uh, you know, totally easy and there are no problems, but rather trusting in Jesus and following him and being obedient to him, God promises to walk through every situation with you and never to leave you. That's his promise to us. Secondly, it's important because it shows our confession of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before men, this is Matthew 10 verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will also disown him before my Father in heaven. It's a challenging verse, isn't it? And it's meant to be. See, by being baptised, you acknowledge Jesus before the church, before your friends and family maybe as well. So this this challenge of Jesus we need to take seriously. Let me talk really quickly for a moment to those of you who are Christians here this morning but maybe haven't been baptised yet. Many of you will have been and that's great, well done. But if there's any of you who haven't, then why not? I want to challenge you with these words of Jesus. We need to take what he said seriously. Friends, it's serious stuff. Why not? What's what's, What's the issue? What is it that's a block, a stumbling block to you? Let's try and overcome that and help you with that so you can be obedient to Jesus. Being baptised is part of the normal Christian life, being obedient to him. Jesus is talking about disowning those who disown him. None of us are going to be disowned by Jesus. 
So let me urge you, be enthusiastic about declaring your love for him. Being baptised and following Jesus. Now, we'll be having another baptism service, I'm sure, in the not-too-distant future. So if that applies to you, then come and see me afterwards. Let's talk and let's try and work through things with you and uh, plan another baptism celebration together. Just a couple more things before we hear some, some stories. Thirdly, it shows our dedication to Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 talks about how we live our lives as an offering to Jesus. What, how the very way we live everyday life is worship, he says. And uh, being baptised shows our dedication to Jesus. You see, being a Christian isn't just about a Sunday morning thing or maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday night if you go to a small group. It's about every part of your life and following Jesus in it and worshipping him in it. It's as much about the way you treat your husband and wife, the way you speak to the kids, the way you act on a Friday night out. All those things are worship to Jesus as much as us gathering on a Sunday morning and singing songs of adoration and love as we have done this morning. Baptism is part of a life that is worshipping Jesus. And then fourthly, it shows our identification with Jesus, just lastly. You see, Jesus was baptised. In Matthew chapter 3, uh, John baptised, John the Baptist baptised Jesus. And in Romans 6, Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks in some more theological terms about what baptism means. Now, we don't have time this morning to unpack it in much detail. And you can look up the passage uh, when you get home if you'd like to. It's Romans chapter 6. But basically, Paul takes the following line of thought. He says that the way we're baptised is a picture of our identification with Jesus. That's what he says. He, he says, basically, as you go into the water, as our four friends will do in just a few minutes, as you go into the water, it's symbolising death, death for your previous life. Not literal death, okay, we will pull you out again, don't worry. But it's symbolic. You're looking very nervous, it's alright, you'll be fine. It's symbolic. It's saying you're dying into your previous life. How you used to live before you followed Jesus. You're dying to that. Just as Jesus died on the cross. As you go under the water, it's like being buried. You see, Jesus was buried after he died on the cross. And you're saying as you go under the water, I'm now dead and buried to my previous way of life before I was a Christian, before I trusted in Jesus. That's gone now. It's dead and buried. And thirdly, just as Jesus rose again from the dead, when you come up out of the water, it's a picture of resurrection, a picture of being made alive in Jesus Christ. The Bible puts it as being a new creation. And so when you come out of the water, as we lift you back out again, I'm expecting, this is a cue, folk, okay? This is a, it's a hint, I'm expecting great cheers and rejoicing and celebration because you're saying, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's a great reason to celebrate and to rejoice. So baptism then shows us a number of things. And it's part of a life that is worshipping Jesus. It's part of a life that is obedient to him. And it's part of a life, as as you're baptised before in just a few moments, you're identifying yourselves with Jesus. And as you do that, and as you're obedient to him, then I know that God will bless you for it. Just before we finish 
for this morning, I want to offer you a gift. Now, maybe as you came in, you were offered chocolates, which was quite good. Celebrations, which is even better, because we're celebrating uh, baptisms this morning. I want to offer you a gift. It was our uh, eldest daughter's birthday this week, and uh, yesterday she had a birthday party. We had uh, a whole load of little people and uh, lots of little people's parents in our home yesterday and uh, she had a wonderful time with, uh, with some of her friends. Because one of the things that Lydia likes is birthday parties. And one of the things she likes about birthday parties is the fact that generally by having a birthday party those who are coming to it bring her presents. And she's only three but she's cottoned onto this quite early. Because often when you go to a party, you take a gift, don't you? And many of her friends uh, brought her gifts. And in fact, if we're honest, probably all of us like to receive gifts, don't we? We love to give and to receive gifts. And so there's a gift that I want to offer you this morning. And wasn't it great to hear those stories earlier? Four lives changed by the power of God at work in it. Wonderful, wasn't it? Wonderful to hear of what God has done in these four people's lives. And uh, I wonder, what was your response to those stories? What was your response to what they had to say? I guess it could have been a number of things. Maybe you were thinking, hey, that's great. You know, I know that too. I've got that relationship with God. I'm thrilled to hear it from someone else and hear about God working in their lives. That's just brilliant. Maybe that was your response. Or maybe your response was, hey, that's fine for them, but you know what, I don't think it could ever be true for me. And uh, I'm really pleased for them, it's it's really nice they're getting baptised and all, but I'm not sure it could ever be for me. Maybe you thought that this morning. Or maybe you thought, well, it's it's great hearing stories of, of them knowing they're forgiven by God, but you know what, I wish I could know that forgiveness and there's just so much in my life that I'm not sure I could be forgiven for and I don't think I could ever know that joy and that, and that forgiveness. Maybe you thought that as you were listening to their stories. Well, the gift that I want to offer you this morning, the gift that I want to give to all of you and present to you is to know that same joy, that same forgiveness that our friends spoke of earlier. I mean, four wonderful stories of lives changed by the power of God. And this morning, friends, I want to offer the same thing to you. And we're going to look at a few verses in the Bible to help us understand what it is that is on offer to you this morning. When we started meeting on a Sunday morning as a church back in 2004, the very first message I preached on that Sunday morning was about having a new start in Jesus, a new start in Jesus. And as I was preparing this week, I was reminded of that and reminded of that phrase about having a new start in Jesus. See, the baptism of our four friends here this morning is a great illustration, a wonderful picture of having a new start in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if any of you are particularly artistic. I'm looking around and um, I can see perhaps one or two artistic types Maybe some of you are wonderful artists. Well, although I'm quite musical, when it comes to art and drawing, it's not my greatest skill. 
I mean, those of you who have been on an Alpha course that we've run and, and have seen my wonderful sketches would be able to relate to that. You know, don't nod, you're not meant to be agreeing with me. You're meant to be saying, no, you're a wonderful artist. But it's really, really not my greatest area of expertise. In fact, if the truth be known, I'm rubbish at drawing things. Nothing that I look, nothing that I draw rather, ever looks like the object it should be. It can be something really simple, like a train engine, which is largely just rectangular with a couple of wheels, but when I've drawn it, it looks more like a, a, a spaceship that has got squashed somewhere coming into Earth, maybe. Most of my attempts at drawing anything are so bad, they cannot be used. And taking out an eraser and trying to rub out a little bit of the edges and trying again and tweaking it a bit, it just doesn't cut it. The only thing that I have to do, really, is to start again. It's such a hopeless mess. I just can't do anything with it. Now, if it's just a drawing that we're talking about, one of my expert sketches, maybe, then probably there's no great loss to screwing up the piece of paper, throwing it in the bin and saying, I'm going to start again. I'll have another go. But how often, friends, do we wish that we could make another start with our lives? How often do we think, oh, I wish I could start again? Maybe you said something which hurt a friend. You know, you wish you could turn back time, don't you, and start that conversation again and and not say that thing which, which hurt a close friend. Maybe you made a fatal decision when driving. Now, choosing to overtake that, uh, that car seemed like it was safe, seemed like it was going to be okay, but just around the corner was pain and death and you didn't see the lorry coming and, ah, oh, how you wish you could start that journey again. Or maybe it was a, a major life decision for you, perhaps to get married or maybe to not get married. Choices you now regret and you, you cannot change. You're thinking, I wish I could start again. You wish you could have a new start. Well, the Bible says that you and I were created for a relationship with God. Whilst there may not be a major thing like that in your life you wish you could change, maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's not a major thing. But for all of us, the Bible says we've rebelled against God. We've gone our own way. We've ignored him. We've disobeyed his instructions to us, which is given us pretty clearly in this book, And the Bible uses one word to describe that. It calls it sin. And it affects all of us. And the truth this morning is that every single one of us desperately need a new start in our lives. All of us need that. But more than that, by rebelling and going against God, sinning against him, we come under his judgment. See, he's a holy God, and we know that ourselves, we're we're not really very holy people, are we? God is, and we're not. And so we come under his judgments. And what we deserve is a punishment for that. In fact, what we deserve is death. And if the message stopped there, if I, if I closed my notes and said, friends, that's it for this morning, that would be a very depressing place to finish. Knowing that we were created for a relationship with God, knowing that we've blown it, knowing that we're going to be punished by him, And that's it. Is there no hope? What we need is a new start. 
Well, let's see what the Bible says about it. In Romans chapter 5, you don't have to turn to it, but I'm going to read some verses to you. The Apostle Paul says this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, he says this. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth of the message of the good news of the gospel is this. God has done something to solve the problem of our sin, of our rebellion against him. He has done something to solve the biggest problem of human existence. In fact, he gave us his son. He gave us Jesus Christ. And that is an amazing gift. That's an incredible gift. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he came, to take the punishment that should have been yours and should have been mine. And that's the truth of the Christian message. That's the gift I want to give you this morning. The truth is, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And more than that, he's done everything that is necessary to make it possible. Not only has he made you and loves you, he wants a relationship with you and he's done everything possible everything necessary to make it possible. He's loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. And that wasn't the end either. Jesus not only died, but three days later, he rose to life again, overcoming death, so that you and I might have a new start, that we might have a relationship with God. And this morning, God wants to offer you that new start, that relationship with him, It's on offer. It's a gift to you this morning. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond, if you'd like to, to God's invitation to you. Because it isn't really my invitation to you. Because I can't make it possible. I'm, if you like, just the messenger. I'm the postman, if you like. I'm just trying to communicate to you the gift that God wants to give you this morning. And it comes as a gift. You see, you cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. No matter how much money you have, you can go and buy it. You can only receive it as a gift. Now, over the years, people have tried all sorts of things to get right with God. They've done things like, I don't know, praying. Now, I mean, praying's a good thing to do, isn't it? We all agree with that? But just praying alone won't solve the problem of sin being between you and God. Well, you might say, well, what about reading the Bible? That's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Even the, old, even the difficult bits in the Old Testament, you know, that's got to be worth doing. Well, it's good to read the Bible, but just reading this book doesn't solve the problem. Doesn't solve the problem. You might say, well, Graham, what about going to church? What about getting up early on a Sunday morning every week and going to church? Well, does that solve the problem? Well, it's good to do that. And the Bible encourages us to meet together with one another and worship God and hear teaching and encourage each other. But friends, that does not cut it on its own. 
just going to church or not even being nice to people, helping old ladies across the road. That doesn't solve the problem of our sin, getting in the way of our relationship with God. They're all great, but they don't deal with our fundamental problem. We're sinful. That's our fundamental problem. And this morning, friends, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time, you can know forgiveness for your sin. You can know forgiveness of everything you've done wrong that has offended a holy God. God can deal with it this morning for you. This morning you can know the joy of having a relationship with God. It's exactly what you were created for. We heard four wonderful stories earlier of lives that had been transformed by the power of God. Friends, that could be you. You could know that this morning. You could leave this room different to how you came in. I don't know how you came in this morning. Maybe you came in weighed down by certain problems or difficulties or aware that something was wrong in your life. Listen, this morning you could know God's power in your life before you leave. You could leave this room different to how you came in. Happened last week. Somebody responded in our meeting and said, yeah, yeah, I want to know that. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And she left different to how she came. Just last week. You've heard four stories of four people, many of your friends this morning. You could know that in your life too. Maybe for the first time. It could be the start, a new start for you of a life and living as a relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe for others of you, maybe it's something you've known in the past. Maybe if you look back over the years, maybe many years ago, you had a vibrant relationship with God and were following him and maybe something happens. I don't know, maybe you moved and didn't get connected into a, a church in a new town you ended up in or maybe something happened, you had a disagreement or fell out with someone or, or just something went wrong when you got disconnected from church and, well, you've always thought that you probably loved God but you never really got back to following him. And you thought, well, I could, I could never go back. I, I could, he'd never have me back. I've just wandered away. Listen, do you remember the story that Jesus told? He told a story about a lost son. Somebody who was part of the family, who was, was part, of the, part of his family, and, and this guy, the younger son, went to his dad one day and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Not when you're dead, I want it now so I can enjoy it. And rather than rebuke him, his father gave him the money, and the son wandered off, spent all the money on what the Bible calls wild living, squandered his inheritance and then wondered what to do. When he came to his senses, Jesus said that he he decided to go back to his father, go back to the family home and say, Dad, I know I can't come back as a son, but hey, just let me back as a servant so I've got somewhere to live and a roof over my head and a little bit to eat. But that's all I'm asking for. Maybe I can repay you some of the money that I've wasted. You know what his dad did? He welcomed him home, ran to him with open arms and welcomed him back into the family. Listen, if that's you this morning, if you think, yeah, but I've wandered away from God, listen, God is looking at you and wanting you to run towards him because as you take that one step towards him, he will run towards you and welcome you home. If you come to him humbly and say, God, would you, can I come back to you, please? Will you forgive me? then the truth of this, this book, the truth of the Bible is that God will forgive you, welcome you home. And maybe for you this morning, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to following Jesus. God is calling your name. 
there's time for you this morning to come back into a relationship with him, following him, into a vibrant relationship, following Jesus. It's time for you, friends. Maybe for you, it's time this morning. You see, it's good news. If you're not a Christian here this morning, then this is good news for you. You should look happy about it. It's wonderful news. We should be celebrating and dancing. Trouble is, many of us are British and we don't do celebrating and dancing very well, do we? But listen, it is good news. It's wonderful news, the good news of the Gospel. You too can know the God that these four love and follow. And maybe for the first time, you can know it. Maybe you arrive burdened by sin. Maybe you walk through those doors at the back really wondering what the point of life was, virtually giving up all hope of making something of your life, having a hope in the future, thinking, well, I'm just going to this because I got invited and I ought to go really because they're my friends. Listen, this morning, you can leave knowing the joy of your sin being forgiven, knowing the power and presence of God in your life, knowing that God has given you a hope, a future, knowing that he has plans and purposes for you. You can know it. It's a gift. It comes from God this morning with your name on it. You could know it. You might say, Graham, how how can I know it's really possible? It is possible. And you can know it. It really is. After Peter had preached his first ever message in Acts chapter 2, this is how he answered the question that people said to him, well, what shall we do then? He said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all whom the Lord our God will call. So what do you need to do? Well, about 3,000 or so responded to Peter's first message. It's not bad for your first attempt at public speaking, is it really? What do you need to do? You need to put your trust in Jesus. You need to receive his love. You need to confess your sin and receive his forgiveness. And you can be baptised in water, filled with God's power, baptism in the Holy Spirit, God coming to you to enable you to live for him. Friends, this is God's invitation to you. And it's not like one of those circulars you just get through the post, you know, from the latest double glazing company that's gone... Uh, randomly to all sorts of houses. This is a letter, hand-delivered to you, with your name on it. It's not that God just says, hey, anybody want to follow me? But rather, he's got a letter with your name on it, addressed to you. Because he knows all about you, not just where you live, he knows what you're like. He knows what you're like with your friends, what you're like on your own. He knows what you've done and what you'll do. He sees past the veneer that we put on when we're with other people. He sees what you're really like, what I'm really like. And yet, he still writes the letter. He still wants to give you that gift. The invitation is still for you, even so. Friends, this could be your day. This could be your time. I want to urge you, don't miss it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You could leave differently to how you came in, knowing God's work in your life. Just like our four friends have spoken of this morning. You could know it. 
So I want to ask you a question as we close. Maybe the band can come up as I finish. I want to ask you a question. What's your decision? What's your decision? This is a huge question, isn't it? It's a huge decision to make. What's your decision going to be? If what I've spoken about this morning is true, obviously we believe it is, it's what the Bible says, then this could be the biggest decision you ever make. What's your decision going to be? Are you going to say, no, I don't think that's, going to be, that's, that's it? Or are you going to say, well, maybe, I want to find out a little bit more? Or are you going to say, yeah, I want to put my trust in Jesus and know the forgiveness and joy that you've been speaking of and we've heard of this morning? Well, friends, in a moment, I'm going to ask you a question and you can respond and you can know, maybe for the first time, what it is to know that joy and presence in your life. Let's stand together and we're going to pray in just a moment. Lord God, Lord Jesus, thank you for the wonderful stories we've heard this morning. Thank you of uh, the lives of our four friends that have been wonderfully transformed, wonderfully changed. Lord, we thank you that we've heard about you changing lives. Lord Jesus, we've heard about uh, you giving hope and purpose. And we've heard about you forgiving sin. And Lord, we thank you that that gift is on offer this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have, as it were, written that letter to every single one of us, inviting us into relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray now, oh God, that this morning there'll be those, even in this room, as we're gathered here, who would make a decision to respond to your invitation to them, to respond and receive the gift that you are offering. Lord Jesus, thank you that you offer it as a gift. Thank you that we can't earn it. We don't have to try and earn it. But by your grace it comes to us. And so, Father, we pray now, oh God, that you would work in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing one song now. And after we've sung this, we've got just a few moments before we finish. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond, maybe for the first time, to know the good news of Jesus to know what it is to have a relationship with him. Or maybe for you it's to come back and return. We're going to sing this just through once and in a few minutes I'm going to give you that opportunity to know that relationship with God. Let's sing together just through once and then we're going to...